20 years ago today, October the 12th, 2002, I was standing right there. And I hadn't finished my bachelor's degree yet, but on that day, I would be a bachelor no longer because I said I do to my beautiful wife. We got married. Today is my literal, actual 20th anniversary. We have been married 20 years. It's, oh, thank you very much. Oh. All right, it's church. Come on now. No, uh. Thank you very much. And, and, and I mean, that is the response that we tend to have when we hear that people have been married for 20 years. It's a milestone, and milestones are the sort of things that we want to celebrate. 20 years feels like a big deal. Seems like the sort of thing that we want to uh, have some fun on and maybe a little pomp, maybe a little uh, uh, ceremony. Uh, so I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> we had some big plans for our 20th anniversary, but man, a lot of things came up over uh, this past year, and we just found ourselves like gradually scaling our plans back further and further until finally we were just like eyeballing a weekend trip with some deferral till later, and obviously, you know, I'm here in Mankato, Minnesota, and I'm talking to you right now. I'm not on a rented Vespa by the Mediterranean, and so it stands to reason that those plans didn't happen. It's just so much has been going on. Roof needed to be replaced. Deck needed to be replaced. Even for this past month when we scaled things way back, my wife got really, really sick. She was sick for uh, several weeks. My kids were sick right before that, and I was telling her all of this, and she finally stopped me uh, uh, as we were going along. As I was relaying all of these distractions that had kept us from doing what we really wanted to do. And she said, Brian, you knew today was coming for 20 years. <laughs> and, she's, and she's not wrong. It's odd the way that little things have, a, have an ability to kind of like pile up and crowd out the big priorities, our little concerns, our little distractions, build and build and build until something that actually matters to us, something that actually matters in general, gets crowded back. And nowhere is this more important than it would come when it comes to the largest priorities that we have in life. Our life is chock full of concerns. And the biggest priority that as Christians we have in our life often ends up obscured by all of these concerns and anxieties. Now, this can prove to be not only a source of disappointment and unpleasantness, it can also be deadly. Our text today deals with exactly that. It's taken from the uh, 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 fifth chapter of the book of First Peter. We start reading at verse 6, and you can follow along on the handouts. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world." 
But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's an interesting little quirk in uh, this text, that word that gets translated as cares or in sometimes anxieties. It's actually the same word that we would use for exactly what we've been talking about. It's the same word for distractions. And that's an interesting little insight that the Greeks uh, had there. Not only are, are this life's uh, you know, problems and co- uh, concerns distractions in and of themselves, but when we really dissect them, we have a tendency to find a distraction at the middle. When we actually take, think about the thing that causes you the most anxiety right now, the biggest stressor in your life. Think about the biggest five stressors in your life and start peeling away the layers of them until you really get towards that center. What do you find at the core of that stress? Typically, it's not going to be the honest, full desire to do God's will and to proclaim his word and to see his will done in our lives. It doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, around something evil. I know that when we look at our concerns, certainly those sins that we've got uh, are the source of a tremendous amount of anxiety and themselves serve as massive distractions. But what about those things that are just the consequence of living in a sinful world? I mentioned to you that uh, my wife hadn't been feeling well for several weeks. This was a source of concern to me. It was absolutely a distraction. Well, in our verses here, it tells us we should cast those things on God. Cast all his cares on him. He cares for us. What does that look like when... It's just one of those things that's from evil in the world. I'm, care- I, I'm concerned about my wife. That's a distraction. How do I throw that on God? Do I wake up in the morning and I say, hey, honey, how you feeling? Oh, you're feeling like death warmed over. That's a bummer. God will take care of it. I'll be home for dinner. Bye. Right? It's not a good look. That is not the secret to staying married for 20 years. Okay? How do we cast cares on God without being like that, without it being just a dismissive, almost silly thing. Part of the remedy that the uh, text puts forward here is to be alert and of a sober mind. It's interesting, the word sober that's being used here, it's not being used in like the old English way where it's like be serious. It's actually using it the way that we use sober, like not sloshed, right? It's saying don't allow your vision to be uh, hazy, based on uh, anything. Don't uh, be distracted Uh, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. I love those pictures or those videos. Maybe you've seen them where there's like a lion in the picture and it says, can you spot the lion? Have you seen these? If you haven't seen them, you have a cell phone. Like, you can look. Uh, I won't judge you, right? Uh, take a look, and it'll be like, can you spot the lion? Do an image search. And there's 
a picture of a field and there's clearly no lion in it. And then maybe they put a little circle in there. There was one where they put a little circle around the lion. I still had to keep looking to try to find the lion. He was that well hidden. He was that sneaky. If you're going into those sort of situations, you can put your cell phones away now. This is church. Uh, the, uh, 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 if you're going into those sort of situations, distracted, if you're going into those sort of situations not sober, you're dead. The lion will get you. So what are we supposed to do, right? I was pointing out before that the center of many of these concerns that we have is sin. And it's our natural impulse then to say, okay, well, there we go. Right? Casting my cares on God means that I need to purge the sin out of my life. And as soon as I remove that dirty core at the center of so many of my concerns, then I will be able to go on my way undistracted. But when it comes to the cares that are the consequences of living in a fallen world, like a loved one falling ill or a loved one dying, we see the reality of how little we can really do. Because I can purge myself of all of my sins just as easily as I can rid this world of disease and death. It's something that can't be done. And when I look to myself and when we look to ourselves for the solutions to these anxieties, that is the hole through which the lion leaps. So how is it then that we resist the devil? How is it that we fight the lion? The instructions that are given here don't sound like the instructions given for fighting a lion, right? It doesn't say arm yourself with the shotgun of truth and you know so forth, right? Like it doesn't actually talk about us fighting it. What does it tell us to do? It says be humble, stand firm in faith. And even that faith that it's telling us to stand firm in is something that God has given to us. It's basically saying sit still, don't move, let me handle this. It's the advice that we would give to a child under our protection if they were in trouble. That is exactly what has taken place for us in this world. And it started with our biggest distraction, our biggest concern, our imminent and unavoidable death brought on by our own sinfulness. The God of all grace, the God of all undeserved love lifts us up and makes us strong. He dealt resolutely with the true source of our worst anxieties, our enslavement to sin and our inevitable death, right? God has already provided in the absolute biggest of ways, sending his son from heaven to the squalid dangers, concerns, and distractions of earth. Jesus assumed our difficulties, assumed our concerns and sorrows. He wept and suffered as a human being, but in doing so without sin, gave us a life that we could present to God as perfect. And ultimately, he took every woe and worry and wrongdoing, and he left them nailed to the cross along with his body. His empty tomb shows us that he has the power to deal with the ultimate problem, to deal with the ultimate concern and distraction. He can deal with death. So where does that leave us? Where can we take that? What if, instead of our focus being on a determination 
to resolve our concerns, rid our lives of sin, find those nuggets inside and purge that evil little thing that's causing them to live there, right? What if we found those little kernels at the center of those concerns and we viewed them in the knowledge that we are forgiven? Something new replaces that concern there. It might still exist in a form, but something new moves into the center. Peace and a desire to do God's will. As our text says, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That helps us when it comes to the struggles and worries that emerge simply from living in a sinful world. The strength of God to cast our cares upon him is not the power for us to be dismissive in the face of life's difficulties. The power is that it transforms them from concerns into purpose, from concerns into meanings. It transforms them into an opportunity for us to ask a question. How do I show God's love in this situation? That dramatically changes the nature of the distraction, the nature of the concern. But we do need to take note of something at this point. Just turning the concern over to God does not take the hurt away. By itself. Peter writes in here, he promises us that in this world we are still going to have suffering, that our other believers are going to have suffering, that this is nothing that is uh, unusual. Suffering concern ch- continues even as the nature of concern uh, changes. But it does also change the nature of that suffering. My daughter played her last soccer game of the season the other day uh, when they were playing against the A-team. She's, she's, you know, she doesn't practice soccer a whole lot, right? So she didn't get a ton of playtime in that game. And in the little bit of playtime that she got, uh, she got injured, right? Took a cleat to the chest. Ouch, right? She goes down. They take her to the sideline. Within a, it hurt. It looked like it hurt. And uh, within a few minutes, She was cheering and screaming and celebrating because they'd won their last game and they had an undefeated season. The victory was big enough that even though she was experiencing pain and had experienced pain, it faded in the light of the victory. It faded in the joy that she had. We are given, this is obviously a very small-scale thing, a small-scale victory against a small-scale pain. We have the world's biggest victory, knocking out our still serious, real-world pains. When we compare our sufferings in this world against that new center, we see something new. We see a suffering that is temporary, a suffering that is small and one that's overshadowed massively by the bliss secured for us. The faith that the devil so desperately and sneakily is trying to snatch away from us is the very same faith that protects that from happening. It makes us humble and alert and ever thankful to the God of grace who keeps us fixated on our ultimate goal of heaven. Amen.